With the waters of Buzzards Bay lapping on the shore nearby, RPM News Weekly presents Rick's Tech Talk. Here in the RPM studio with Matt Poison, I've got Cousin Rick on the line in Needham, Massachusetts. Good afternoon, Cousin Rick. Good afternoon, Rich. How's things up there in Needham? Oh, it's a beautiful day. It's it's sunny. It's probably near 80 degrees after all the rain we've had. And uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't call it Indian summer because the leaves haven't come off the trees yet, but we'll take it. Yeah, that's for sure. We're getting a similar weather here in Mattapoiset. A beautiful day out there. Uh, so what have you got for us this week? Okay, we've got the ride of the week is the Jeep Wrangler 4XE. This is the plug-in hybrid Jeep, and it, it comes in various flavors. There's various uh, levels of uh, trim on it, and they start around uh, about five bucks under $50,000 and on up. Now, because it's a plug-in hybrid, you do have federal and state incentives that would help bring the cost of acquiring the vehicle down. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Now, if we, we go through the specs here, okay, it's all-wheel drive. It's got a, a, a four-cylinder engine of 280 horsepower, but with the electric motors, it comes in at 375 horsepower hooked up to an eight-speed automatic transmission. And the uh, EPA numbers are, uh, first of all, it's got an EPA range of 21 miles on all electric uh, power. But I found that when I fully charged the battery, it was telling me I got up to 29 miles of uh, range on all electric. Now, with... Uh, the, the EPA miles per gallon equivalent for a plug-in vehicle, it's 49 miles per gallon equivalent for the, the Jeep Wrangler 4XE. Now, that number, 49, if you look at other plug-in hybrids, uh, isn't all that well. Most of the other ones that are more like conventional SUVs and sedans come in around 90 to 100 miles per gallon equivalent. So if you're going to buy this, to get better mileage, uh, you don't really buy a Jeep for that. I mean, you you got the 21 to 29 miles on electric to drive around town, but when you go off road, uh, you're going to be paying the uh, the penalty. But then again, it's a Jeep. You're going off road. You got a lot of capability there. And uh, Stellantis, the parent company of of Jeep. Uh, says that the Wrangler Ford XE is America's best-selling plug-in hybrid vehicle, which I find uh, is interesting because I would have thought it would have been a sedan. But they they base that on the fourth quarter of 2022 sales based on uh, J.D. Power's numbers. Right. So I imagine that goes up and down. And uh, let's see, some other interesting facts here. It's got a nine-speaker stereo system, entertainment system. It does run on premium fuel. They recommend premium fuel. And Jeep is installing, this, this is interesting, they're installing solar charging stations 
on key off-roading trails in the country. And they say you can fuel up on the sun. That's really nice. Yeah, that's really interesting that uh, they would do that. I think it's probably uh, half practical and half uh, marketing to uh, get people in the the off-roading community to think about uh, electric uh, powertrains as well. Right. And you kind of wonder, besides the off-road, it would be nice if they would put them in some other prime locations uh, for your everyday driving as well. Uh, right. Maybe- but then you, you can fuel up at some of the existing charges like EVgo and ChargePoint and so on. Well, with, 20, with a 21 or as you had real world 29 mile capability, it wouldn't take very long on a fast charger. Uh, and uh, obviously overnight, right. if you plug it in at home, you get, get all of that charged up all the way. Overnight. Right. You wouldn't even need a, a level two charger to charge it fully overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, so this is kind of like a, one of those things where it's a nice little assist. Uh, it doesn't seem like it would be saving you a ton of money at the pump. Unless you use it, or you know, when you're not off-roading around town, it'll give you an advantage there that most of your driving around right. that you would be on electric. Right. Uh, well, and that can pay off. You no, know? I mean, if, if you remember to charge up every night, uh, you know, 21 miles for some folks, maybe that would get them, you know, into the, the city or over to the mall and back or go shopping. But uh, for a lot of commuters, that would not, not hardly cover cover their distance both ways right and then oh one other feature here is that with the uh plug-in electrified ford xe the vehicle itself has blue accents to indicate that it's uh electric you have blue uh toe and uh, recovery hooks on the bumpers and trim around the the sides of the vehicle so it gives it a little distinctive touch yeah, impressive horsepower there with the net horsepower up at 375. Um, uh, that'll uh, provide you with ample power. Uh, any indications of what the torque is? That you know, it sounds like they're making it so that it'd be equipped to tag. Yeah, so they're doing some you know? towing. I don't have the torque number right here. Right. And uh, oh yes, I do. I think. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, see. So it sounds like they're intending it to be something that you could tow something along with. Yeah, the, uh, let's see. Well, they, uh, I'm looking here on the website and they give me the, they give me the horsepower, but not the torque, unfortunately. So, yeah. Um, Well, you know, that fourth quarter uh, best-selling claim that Slantis is making uh, I wonder if it coincides with uh, uh, some bump in their advertising, or is it just uh, uh, something seasonal? Well, it says America's best-selling uh, plug-in hybrid. Okay, now, what do they mean by America's? Is it American company, or, you know, I would have oh, thought, yeah. yeah, either the Koreans or the, the Japanese companies would have had the best-selling. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting claim. Uh, mm. I suppose, you know, whatever numbers they're looking at, they, they don't lie. 
uh, they wouldn't throw that out there. I think you know it would be spotted right away if it was a little bit off the mark. Uh, okay, I'll do a well, little research on my own. Uh, yeah, that, well, that's our ride of the week when we talk about the riding. Well, give us a little bit more here on that. What uh, what did it feel like uh, riding in it? What was your oh, experience? Like a jeep. <laughs> no, really. You, All right. You don't, you don't buy a jeep for comfort. But then again, recently, Jeep has improved the ride, like over the highway, that it's not as jouncy as it as it used to be. Right. And they they also have, you know, make it easier to get in with the grab bars and uh, a little uh, um, running board on the side. So it's uh, not hard to get in. If you're if you're limber enough to step up and grab the grab bar and hop right in, mm -hmm. right. So did you take the doors off at all? No, I didn't have it long enough to take the doors off and put them back on. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I I wonder if there's a, a a statistic somewhere that indicates how how many people who own jeeps actually do that. Uh, well, I think on a regular you, basis. If you go out on the beach at Martha's Vineyard, you'd pull the doors off and get the full experience. Right. Yep. But in, in the New England climate, the doors off weather is uh, probably more limited than elsewhere. Mm. Yeah, especially this past month. Every weekend it was raining. Well, what else have you got for us today? Okay, automotive-wise... Honda has announced the Prologue electric midsize SUV. It, uh, it'll be available in the early part of 2024. It's a midsize SUV. It's got 300 miles of range and it comes in, it'll come in front-wheel drive and all-wheel drive version. They give the horsepower for the all-wheel drive version is 288. They don't give the horsepower for the front-wheel drive. Mm -hmm. It'll come in three trims. It'll start uh, in the high $40,000 range. But again, being an electric vehicle, you'll have federal and state incentives to bring the uh, cost of acquiring it down right and uh, they uh looking through the the press release on it they've paid attention to aerodynamics to cut noise and drag to give you better mileage that's one of the things they uh highlight but they and they also say it has neo rugged styling whatever that means it's interesting what they come up with for marketing. So what's neo-rugged? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting way of putting it. Uh, yep. So uh, is that, uh, you know, this prologue name, is it sort of like uh, past his prologue? Is that kind of what they're feeding off of? Well, it's the there? prologue to the company's electrification scheme. And uh -huh. at the same time, they've announced they've gotten more uh, charging partnerships with various uh, groups, with EVgo and Electrify America. They, they're even going to have access to Tesla charges and uh, a, a consortium of several other automakers coming up with a charging uh, 
commonality there. Mm-hmm. Well, this so, is not this isn't Honda's first uh, foray. You know, they go way back with the Honda Insight. Right, but I, th- I think it's the the the, the longest range SUV they've come up with, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know when you're getting up to 300 miles range, that's uh, that's good for a long trip because even if you keep driving, you still have to stop if you're going at 300 miles so you can get hit a fast charger and just keep going after you grab a meal and go to the bathroom. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, that's exciting news from Honda. Uh, what else have you got for us? Anything yep. else automotive? Oh, yeah. Let's see. We've got from iccars.com, our friends at iccars.com. This is kind of uh, kind of a discouraging word, as we might say, that uh, they've done a study of used car prices in uh, using data from 2019 and the current year. And the money that you would spend in 2019 for a three-year-old car, say the average price was around 24000 in 2023, that amount gets you a six-year-old car or one that's even older. Now, you don't know, you, in addition, to, with that money buying, you can only buy an older car on average. That older car is going to have from forty to 100,000 miles more on it. So you're buying an older car with more mileage. And, right, and they also point out with the pandemic and the other issues of new cars being scarce over the last few years with the chip shortage and whatever, that there are, oh, maybe about a third fewer three-year-old cars around to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how the used car market is uh, working here. So that dollar figure, did they say that it's adjusted for inflation in any way? No, I think it's what it uh, just what it would cost the buyer walking into the lot. Right. Dollar for dollar. Yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting. Uh, And and you're right. It is a little bit sad. (laughs) Uh, Although in a kind of way, a couple of my cars here are a little bit uh, on the older side. So, gee, maybe maybe they've actually increased in value. Or they haven't lost as much. Right. Uh, I suppose that's heartening news. I, I'm, I have no plans to get rid of them at the moment. And they're not that old, but uh, uh, they're getting up there, as they say. Mm. So, All right. Well, okay. Well, that's, uh, that's well, it's worth uh, worthwhile news from iccars.com. Yeah, they always are interesting the way they slice and dice the automotive market data. Yeah, it gets you some real insights. Uh, so, what is what else have you got for us today? Okay, well let's uh, let's go off Earth. Okay, we we usually cover uh, space technology developments, and we have to mention that NASA recovered the Osiris X capsule after a seven-year mission to the asteroid Bennu, where they hovered above the surface, came close, and then kind of contacted it with a pogo stick-like scoop, and they've scooped up about half a pound of 
asteroid material, brought it back to Earth, and and had it re-enter and land in the Utah Proving Ground. So it's a, it's it's quite a feat that uh, also they did that and they hit the target and so on. Now they they've got more material than they thought they would, and they're saying this will be pristine material from the origin of the solar system that we can look at that and see how uh, the earth was formed and how things have changed and so on although you don't know how pristine the material would be because even say out in the asteroid belt there what we used to call the asteroid belt <laughs> that there's still radiation effects on the surface of these objects and you know dust from these things bumping into one another so uh, who knows how pristine it is but at the same time hey it's got to be you know a good uh, key to the origin of the solar system and maybe they'll find chemicals that would help form life if we uh here on earth well speaking of that forming life uh, do they have any protocols in place that, uh, you know, before they dig into whatever the sample is, it doesn't sound like a very big sample, half a pound, uh, that they're... No, they don't need much, yeah. That there aren't uh, either organisms or, or, or structures of some type, virus-type structures that... Oh, you're thinking of the Andromeda strain? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, they, you know, yeah, that's. That, I mean, well, they consider they consider it highly unlikely, but at the same time, there's more of a concern that we don't contaminate with Earth microbes and chemicals the sample. Mm -hmm. So this thing is going to be kept isolated to uh, to analyze it, and so right. think anything that. Uh, would be there, they would detect before it could get out. And they're, right. they're worried about more contamination from Earth to the sample than rather than the sample to Earth. Right. Uh, well, uh, I mean, it's amazing that you can, be, that they could have gone so far uh, to get that half pound and, uh, and got it back, uh, I would say, all in one piece, more or less. Right, and the spacecraft itself is on a mission to another asteroid in a couple of years to get another sample. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, so as we go, continue, can you continue to explore? Uh, you know, the thought occurred to me this week that, uh, you know, we, we actually live on a very unique place uh, on this planet. And it, it uh, you know, with the Billions of combinations that have occurred just here on the planet Earth in terms of organisms, you know, from single cell uh, bacteria all the way on up, uh, and the many forms of life that have disappeared. Uh, that in this the far reaches of the universe, there may be forms, many forms that have no bearing on what we have going on here on Earth. With it. You know, the, the, in other words, there's the billions of possibilities uh, since even just here on our own planet, we've had, you know, millions of, of, of occurrences already. You know, the, yeah, you're sounding like Carl Sagan with billions and billions. Yeah, I was not intentionally doing that. I was thinking that myself as I said that. Right, but then you've got to consider also the fact 
fact, I think a study was done some years ago that we know in physics and chemistry and so on, there are various constants like uh, in chemistry, like Avogadro's number, all this, these different constants that govern chemical process and biological process. And the study said that if just any one of those constants was changed slightly, we wouldn't have life as we know it on this planet. So that goes to show you how unique this is. Yeah, very true. So is there anything else space-related that you've got for us? No, but we can come back down to, uh, say, aviation-related. Okay. Okay, a company in the UK called Drone Liner, they are proposing a dedicated drone. It's a large airplane. It, it, it looks like as big as like a, a Hercules or a, or a C-5A. These would be pilotless airplanes designed specifically to transport cargo very efficiently. They would use standard 20-foot uh, cargo containers, and they would uh, have, they're proposing a single-engine version and a twin-engine version that uh, the single-engine version would carry up to 40 of these containers on two levels, and the twin-engine version would carry 80 containers on three levels and fly up to 6,500 nautical miles, which is like over 7,000 statute miles. And an interesting concept because the it would be designed for cargo, not passengers. So you can shape this thing to fit these containers in efficiently. You can open the nose and the tail to load them quickly and offload them. And uh, an interesting concept, although I think a single engine version of a cargo plane flying around pilotless may not cut it with the uh, with regulators, they might at least want to go with the twin engine version to have a little more reliability that if you have an engine problem, you're not going to have a, a uh, you know, 180 ton airplane flying around without power. Yeah, that would, that would be very dangerous, huh? Uh, yeah, unless you, unless you, uh, configure these things to fly certain routes and use only certain airports. At, uh, right. Yeah, but, maybe, maybe specialty airports if the technology develops uh, further. Well, yeah. at, least, at least we have a firm grasp of the obvious uh, that uh, something like this is uh, needs closer inspection. <laughs> Plus, they, they need money to develop it, so we'll have to see how far it goes. Well, yeah, and you know, it's interesting that, you know, just in the automobile world, we're, we're seeing more and more automation within the cars that allow us to drive, uh, you know, more relaxed uh, with uh, lane control and adaptive cruise control. Uh, we know uh, from just our own hands-on that it's not perfect. So uh, taking that to another level when you start talking about movement and uh more than just you know forward and reverse, uh, left and right, like you've got pitch and yaw, and you've got all these other aspects that, that need to be managed, especially as they you know re-enter uh, lower you know, lower airspace. Uh, be uh, 
it's got to be quite a challenge to try to get that to all work properly. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, it sounds like we're coming up on, uh, uh, is that a wrap? <laughs> That's a wrap for today. Oh, it is. Okay. Glad, glad we can get together as usual. Likewise. All right, folks. So that's just been Rick's Tech Talk here on RPM News Weekly. Stay tuned for more. Uh, it's a weekly series that we have going for many years here on RPM News Weekly. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining us this week on the RPM News Weekly podcast. Don't forget to check us out online at rpmnewsweekly.com for more automotive news and interviews.